We live, motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize for any construction noises you may hear in the background because there is some drilling going on outside my building. There's a bunch of scaffolding wrapping around the entire surface area of the building covered from head to toe they are remodeling the surface of the building which i don't understand how that works if the building's already built how do you redo the surface by drilling intensely and making loud noises but apparently that is what is regulated in the city every every few years so if you hear some drilling that's what that is uh and hopefully i'll be able to get rid of most of the background noise in post, but we're not going to worry about that because we're we're here, we're living, we're vibing, we're having a good time, and I want to start off by talking about a story that my brother sent me. My brother sent me this story in the group chat this week, and it's called Melbourne Woman, or Melbourne, what's the, what's the, what's the Australian pronunciation, mate? That's a terrible Australian accent right there. Sound like I'm have a bag of dicks in my mouth and I just don't know how to speak in an accent like from down under. But uh, Melbourne, Melbourne woman, Melbourne woman, Melbourne woman dehumanized by a viral TikTok filmed without her consent. So a Melbourne woman in Australia dehumanized by a viral TikTok that was apparently filmed uh, without her consent. So let's get into it. The story goes, uh, a Melbourne woman says she feels, quote, dehumanized. And it's that's dehumanized spelled I-S-E-D. So you know when they replace the S, uh, you know when they use the S instead of the Z, you know they're talking real shit. When, when someone, it's like when someone spells center, c-e-n-t-r-e you're like oh shit this this is for real i'm in the fancy center so yeah ticked uh melbourne woman says she feels dehumanized after being filmed without consent for a quote random act of kindness on tiktok that went viral the video shows tiktok creator harrison pollock approaching the woman marie in a public shopping center while <laughs> they spelled center C-E-N-T-R-E. Again, this is legit. He asked her to hold a bouquet of flowers while he put a jacket on. Before Marie could return the bouquet, Pollock wished her a good day and walked away. Marie's shocked reaction was caught on camera. The paper uh, looked at 13 or 1,382 photos videos posted by tiktok so i guess this is the the paper where the story is from the paper looked at 1382 tiktoks posted by tiktok users age 60 years uh who had been between 100,000 to 5.3 million followers their videos had been viewed over 3.5 billion times older people using tiktok to defy ageist stereotype research finds so I guess that's a bit of background on old people on TikTok, the senior citizens of social media, TikTokin, TikTokin lockin' in that old age. Uh, this video now has more than 59 million views and 11 million likes. It was posted on Life of Harrison TikTok account several weeks ago with the caption, I hope this made her day better. It attracted largely supportive comments. So it sounds like this guy, he walked up to some woman in this mall. Uh, the picture kind of looks like they're in a uh, mall food court type scenario. I think they might have been, yeah, public shopping center. It looks like a food court type thing that would be outside a movie theater. And apparently this guy, this famous TikToker, walks up to this old woman, has flowers in his hand and says, hey, can you hold this? And she's like, she's probably like, yeah, I'll hold your flowers. It's it's not a gift. It, it it's like you. This is like a power. This sounds like a power move more than a gift. This, this like, hey, could you hold this for me? All right, I'm gonna put on my jacket and walk away. And that person is left like, what is? Where did this per? Did did this person just ghost me? Like this kid 
that is trying to film a, a viral act of kindness to to monetize this woman's willingness to hold his flowers. He, this kid is like ghosting her before they even exchange niceties. He's like, here, hold the, hold these flowers for me. Uh, peace, bitch. Peace. And he just zooms out of there on his wheelies. He's fucking picks those toes up with those fucking wheelies like you do. You, you pick the toe up. You have the wheel just skirting. He's like, here are the flowers, bitch. Skirt. Drops the flowers off. He, he's just going around uh, senior citizen centers like these fucking uh, nursing home environments just handing off flowers and ghosting bitches. Like he's just on a reckless pursuit to make every old person in Melbourne feel bewildered. Like hold these flowers. All right, where did he go? Like this, again, this sounds more like a power move. Like nothing about this story so far other than the object of flowers seems nice or charitable. Flowers are symbolic of many things, even a funeral. Like what if he's telling this this old woman, this nice old sweet woman eating an Auntie Anne's pretzel at a at a food court and he hands her a, a bouquet of flowers and he's like, This is a signal of your impending death. And she's like, What? He's like, You're gonna die. And she why why would you why would you say that? Why 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 would you give me flowers and then tell me I'm gonna die? People people usually wait until after the the death, they, they usually send these to the funeral. I mean, I guess if I died, you could send these to my funeral. But why are you giving these to me now? And he just gets really close to her. He just, he just he's breathing right across from her face. Just. You're going to die. And then he just skirts off in his wheelies as soon as she turns around. And then she looks back and he's gone. He's like, what the f-? She's like, what the fuck just happened? I'm sitting here eating this pretzel and I'm being told that my life is going to be over. So yeah, Life of Harrison uh, TikTok account posted several weeks ago with the caption, I hope this made her day better. It attracted largely supportive comments. Wow, that was beautiful. I swear I would cry, one user said. Another wrote, my heart that made her feel so good and it looks like she might have needed it. Who are the people commenting this? Like, I've always wondered. I get a lot of comments on podcasts, reels, and, and YouTube short videos that I put up where people would see a video and, and they, which, and I appreciate the comments. So if you want to, you know, leave a comment on YouTube or Instagram, 100% go for it. But while I'm grateful for these sort of comments, a lot of them are also baffling. Like, people, people will watch a TikTok where I'm making fun of Donald Trump or something and they'll just comment, oh, sweet, this is exactly what we need in the world. Or I'll put another TikTok up, you know, talking about playing college baseball or or drinking, whatever. And they're like, this is good content. I support this. Like you'll, you'll get some genuine content, some people... Any anywhere on the spectrum between I like this and fuck off, and then you'll just get people that are saying that they are supporting you, which is what the like button is for. <laughs> I like this. I support this. It's such a weird phenomenon when pe- when people are just they're not giving an opinion, they're not adding anything to the conversation. They're just saying this is cool. I like this. You are doing what you are doing. I would like this to continue on a semi-regular basis, 3 to 4 times per week, not every day because that would be too much, but I would like this to pop up in my feed 3 to 4 times per week. So yeah, this uh, comments are kind of like that. Wow, so beautiful. That made her feel so good. Uh, however, Marie, the woman who was handed the flowers, was cynical of Pollock's intentions after seeing the video had been posted. Marie, who did not disclose her surname, which why would she? This uh, She's probably thinking this is so odd to be interviewed for. 
like fucking ABC's calling her up about a TikTok. She told ABC Radio Melbourne, these artificial things are not random act of kindness, are not random acts of kindness. A screenshot of Harrison Pollock's TikTok video showing him uh, shows him leaning over Marie, who is sitting in a cafe and asking her to hold a bouquet of flowers. Uh, Harrison Pollock asked Marie to hold the bouquet of flowers while he put on the jacket, left and filmed her reaction. So they're just repeating what happens. Quote, uh, Marie goes back to saying he interrupted my quiet time, filmed and uploaded a video without my consent, turning it into something it wasn't. I feel he is making quite a lot of money through it. That's also something that is it's completely true. There are a lot of these accounts on TikTok that will make you feel they'll try to make you feel like they're doing something really good and really supportive and and really uh, just emotionally uplifting all this background music like just a woman cradling a baby as a tiktoker just kisses the baby softly on the forehead here take this kiss as an act of kindness but you have you have a lot of tiktokers just social media people in general that are putting on this front that they're doing things out of the gratefulness of their heart and the videos that they're putting out there are making you know like fucking ten thousand dollars a video some of these videos that you know you get millions of views on a YouTube video or TikTok. Like you're making thousands of dollars per video. You're running ads on these videos. You're you're making all sorts of money, which is fine. I'm I'm not against making money at all. I I have subscribers for bonus episodes on auxoro.supercast.com. Check it out. So I have nothing against monetizing an audience. I have nothing against building an audience and you know building a uh, relationship with that audience where you get premium subscribers or you you sell ads from people that are interested in reaching out to your audience. I, I support that. But what I don't support is kind of putting on this altruistic facade, like you're filming this impromptu, completely spur the moment act of kindness. And you're selling it to people, you're selling it to like these 12, 13 year old kids and just making it like this is this this has nothing to do with me this is this has everything to do with my sweetness for this woman and i want her to feel good and it, and it comes off as creepy because a, a true act of kindness like if something is really like you want to go out of your way to do something nice for someone don't fucking film it like could you imagine my one of my grandparents is on their deathbed and I'm sitting beside my grandma and I write this heartfelt letter and I'm looking right into my grandma's eyes and she's looking at me, you know, she doesn't see the other side of the room. I'm just sitting on a chair and I'm reading this letter to my grandma. I'm saying, grandma, I don't know how much time that we have left on this earth together. I just wanted to let you know that the time I've spent with you has been incredible. We've laughed. You know, Grandma, I smoked my first cigarette with you when I was 14. You slipped me a cigarette, and it was really fun. We smoked it outside on the balcony. Uh, You let me have rum in my pina colada before my mom even knew that I could drink. You know, I... You told me stories of, of back in the day, Grandma. You're pretty wild, and, you know, you always made me feel like... I could tell you anything, and that's why I'm telling you this right now because I wrote this letter, and I wanted to make sure I could share these thoughts with you because I don't know how much time you know you have left. And my grandma's just crying, tears streaming down her face. I'm crying a little bit too. And then my grandma turns over in the bed, and she sees the other side of the room, and there's just four people with movie-sized cameras just filming the entire operation. There's one guy with a clipboard in the hallway stopping nurses from coming into the room, like those people that you see on city blocks, the the PA assistants for films. 
uh, <laughs> that stop people from walking across the street from getting in the shot. You, I, I hired someone to stop a nurse from coming into the room to possibly extend my grandma's life and give her life-saving medication so I could film this shot from five different angles on TikTok. And the reason that I'm crying is because I went in the bathroom before and lightly poked myself in the eye and I put salt water in my tear ducts and that's why I'm streaming down my face. And it's like, that would be insane. Like if I tried to film something like that, that's, it's, it's fucking insane. There, there's no non-cringy way to do something good for something. Do something cool. And it's not it's not even the fact that it's like like you can do something good for someone and film it, but just be a cool guy. Like a cool guy or a cool girl doesn't film like need to film their kindness it just sucks the wind out of it people you might make some money people might share it a million times but i always admire the people where they do something in public like maybe they'll stop a fight or maybe they'll stand up for someone maybe they'll do a random act of kindness and they have no uh instinct to film it or record it you see other people around them might pull up their phones and be like oh shit like this dude's a badass but i always admire the people that have those sort of instincts and don't feel any need to record it to they're just doing what they're doing because it's the right thing in the moment. And I leave those sort of situations thinking, wow, she was really cool. Like not just she was good. She's a good person, but like, wow, what a fucking cool person. What a fucking cool guy. What a fucking cool girl. And you lose that aspect. Like when you try to have this, you know, public altruistic persona. Because you know these people would not do what they're doing if it wasn't filmed. Like these kind of couples that film, you know, doing sweet romantic gestures for each other. They try to get the perfect angle. They set all this shit up. They're filming it. You know, you're, you're, you're giving homeless people money in the street. Like, Again, all things that on their own merit are can be good things, but it just sucks the life out of it because you're not really present. Like one of the one of the best parts about, um, and you know, I'm not a, even close to a saint. I am thoroughly going to hell. But I have done some really cool volunteer opportunities or, or had some good faith interactions with people that are less fortunate than me. You know, maybe they were homeless, maybe. Um, you know, just like genuine conversations with people who are clearly not doing well. And all I'm doing in that moment is lending an ear or maybe handing them some money, something like that. And there's this moment of presence that you get when you're in an interaction with a stranger and you're doing something good. It's like that selfishly, like I would want to hold on to that because that's such a good feeling. I, you know, hopefully this person is also getting something good out of it. But for me, selfishly, as someone who wants to feel good and, and not just do good things, but feel good while I'm doing it, that feeling of presence when you're connected to someone is so strong that why would you want to interrupt it with cameras? Why would you want to interrupt it with filming it? You You can't be totally present and also film something at the same time and, and filming these random acts of kindness saps the saps the presence out of it not just the cool aspect but the the presence out of it when you when you try to film these goodwill things it, i don't know it just kind of ruins it for me um but again i think you should be allowed to do this type of stuff if you want it would have been cooler if the kid said to her after like hey do you mind if i post this and maybe she would have said yes maybe she would have said no but she says um marie the woman who was filmed for the tiktok says it's it's the patronizing assumption that older women will be thrilled by some random stranger giving them flowers she said she had uh she said she had asked whether she's being filmed and was told no so this kid actually said no um, she also said she offered the flowers back to Pollock, whose TikTok account says he's 22 and from Melbourne. Marie says, quote, I didn't want to carry them home on the tram to really be quite frank, but I wasn't given that opportunity. 
She added, I think other women, especially older women, should be aware that if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. I don't do any Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, anything, and yet it happened to me. A friend contacted Marie that evening, sharing the uploaded video, and at the time, Marie didn't think much of it. But after seeing the TikTok video featured in media reports describing her as a, quote, elderly woman with a, quote, heartbreaking tale, she said she felt dehumanized. I feel like clickbait. So it's it's kind of sad that this this act of kindness that would have been nice, you know, if this kid just came up to her and said, hey, I bought these flowers, uh, you know, I, I wanted to give them to a stranger today as a random act of kindness, w- would you like these? And approached it as an honest interaction. And she she might have said, yeah, that's really nice. I love these flowers. And he says, all right, like, cool. Maybe they talk for a few minutes. He leaves. There's no filming it. There's no ulterior incentive. And that's that. Or maybe she would have said no. Maybe she would have said thank you very much. But I don't, um, you know, I'm going to, these flowers are going to go to waste. I can't carry these when I go on the train. And he, if he was a nice person, he would have been like, all right, I completely understand that. That's fine. Um, but it, it kind of turned into this cringy, you know, I'm gonna first lie to her. So if this, if this article is true, then this woman, Marie asked the TikToker, am I being filmed? And this guy said, no. So straight up starts the interaction on a poor foot. He fucking lies to her. And then after that, he does this weird maneuver where he just hands her flowers and then leaves and she turns around she's like what the fuck and then sees herself on a video that her friend sent her that had 10 million views or whatever like that is uh that turns this woman from a recipient of a kind act into a victim like she's like she didn't want this now she feels kind of weird she she feels fetishized as an older person which is also like a super weird thing in society and i mean i've even felt myself uh succumb to this mentality sometimes but we we fetishize older people we we do this uh with elderly people a lot where we kind of just forget that they're people and we just you know, they don't, they're kind of just agents for us to volunteer our time to, or they're, you know, older people get taken advantage of. But like, I've been in situations where I'm around older people, either in my family or people that I just met that day. Um, And maybe we're doing an activity or something. And I, I, I find myself not treating the the people who you know maybe 60 70 years older than me i fall into this trap where i'm like oh yeah like they're not all there they're not you know they're towards the end of their life like they're just you know kind of bopping around at this point but you know most older people are are there you know they're not fucking biden sniffing uh sniffing noses and not sniffing noses but (laughs) sniffing people's hair with their nose and uh just falling off of bikes and uh you know sniffing sidewalks i imagine when biden fell off that bike he got onto the ground and sniffed the sidewalk and was like hmm that's nice oh yeah just sniffing ants he just does a line of ants off the sidewalk like ah nature fuck yeah uh but yeah i'm just i'm Trump's old as fuck too. I'm just picking up Biden because he's in office right now and seems like he's uh, in office, but he's not, if you know what I'm saying. There's no one there. But for the most part, older people are very cogent and coherent and they may be talking a little bit more slowly, moving more slowly, um, but they're there. They're people and they're just like older versions of us and me pretty much they're like you know more wrinkly uh their their human suits are more wrinkly but it's filled with a brain that if 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 you're lucky enough to not have any diseases like dementia or alzheimer's something like that that's still functioning well 
they're just in wrinkly bag suits. <laughs> and so I kind of had that realization a, a, a few years ago um, where I'm just like joking around with some old people. I was with a guy in a, a, that owned this flower shop and there were a bunch of old people in there. And I'm kind of just joking around with everyone and I'm the only one in there. And I'm just like, this is a conversation I would have with someone who is, you know, 25, but I'm having it with these old uh, Vietnam war veterans just fucking like joking around. And that that conversation went, went into actually a pretty dark place for a minute. But the uh, the the vibe that I had when I walked out of that flower shop, I was like, wow, I definitely misjudged older people for the, the most part. I've kind of had this like fetishized view of they are purely just there for other people on to be the receiving end of acts of kindness and just like because or or you know the the stereotypical uh son or daughter that takes advantage of their grandfather's money because they're not all there and they're like using the front of their mentally ill like quote-unquote mentally ill grandparent to take all their money and fucking like there's a lot of fucked up shit that happens to old people so i completely i can't say i completely understand what this woman marie is saying um because i'm not old but i will be one day but i definitely can see that uh i have seen that in myself in the past and i've seen that in other interactions where you can just see it in people's eyes where they they're talking to an old person and they almost it's not like they're talking to someone who they view as an equal. They're, they're like almost the way that you talk to a baby. You're like, oh, yeah, you're so cute. Like, oh, oh, what do you want to do today? Like fucking talking to a baby or a dog or something like that. So it, it can get weird. And um, it is, it is like quick clickbait. It's this weird sort of sub subsidiary economy of TikTok doing nice things for old people, pe- making... Uh, creators making millions of dollars off of this but there is a a, like a legitimate sub industry of people doing random acts of kindness to others a lot of it old people homeless people people less fortunate where they don't know they're being filmed a lot of them don't know they're being filmed that maybe you know they're getting a flowers for an interaction or they're getting a couple bucks something like that but then the video goes on tiktok and that creator pulls in 10 million views they upload it to youtube shorts gets another 10 mil like instagram and they're making thousands of dollars off of giving scraps to someone less fortunate than them and i'm not even saying this woman is less fortunate but a lot of situations it is so it's like very very messed up um messed up shit that's going on but not surprising Let's talk about boxed wine. And no, this is not an ad for boxed wine. But I have some thoughts on wine from the box. Why is boxed wine not more popular? Why is boxed wine not more popular in America, I should say? Boxed wine is viewed as a, a second, third tier option of wine. When if someone brought boxed wine to a, a party, someone would say like, "Ah, oh, what uh, are you? Are you living in a box? Did did you did you you know pull together the fucking four dollars you begged for yesterday and put it towards a box of wine? Like, what are you what are you doing? Like, why would you bring a box of wine to a party? It's just looked at as this, uh, this." this less than option to drink alcohol having alcohol in a box and last year uh when i went to france and you know i was staying with my girlfriend's parents and we went all around france there's a ton of boxes of wine people buy boxes of wine my my you know my girlfriend's parents had boxes of wine uh you see it all the time in supermarkets grocery stores much more than in america it's much more accepted and people buy it and i bought boxed wine in canada uh a a couple months ago and i brought it back with me to new york and 
it lasted me two months, like two and a half months. I would drink, I would have a glass of wine maybe two, three times a week, just kind of relax at night. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. I just, I, I always wait till 5 p.m., okay? That means I don't have a problem. But it, this, this boxed wine lasted me for over two months. It's still, I'm probably on my last glass tonight. But when I go around New York, it's almost impossible to find a, a wine store or a liquor store that's slinging boxes of wine. And whenever you bring it up, uh, it's like seen as this poor, filthy option of wine. It's like the fucking retarded stepbrother of bottled wine. And we need to change that. We need to bring back boxed wine because that's really how you should be drinking wine if you're not giving a gift. If you're giving a gift to someone, if you someone just moved in, uh, you know, someone's birthday, buy them a nice bottle of wine. That is fine. But if you're drinking wine in your apartment and you have a glass at night, what more of a perfect setup is there for the boxed wine? You put you put the boxed wine up over your shelf. You have it like on a on the edge of a shelf. The nozzle is right there. You don't have to uncork anything. You don't have to, you know, smell it to check if it's still good. A lot of the bags, the the air is compressed out of the bag. So once you open it, it's good for six weeks or something like that. And a bottle of wine starts to feel a little funky after a couple weeks. And again, I'm a complete wine unexpert. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. But it seems like boxed wine is just built for the casual consumption of a casual wine drinker. But yet it's seen as something that is like a second rate option. Like, dude, you're drinking out of a box? Like, in America, it's like, dude, fucking boxed wine, like boxed Franzia. What, what the? F-? So I think you know, if as long as the wine is decent, it doesn't have to be a fucking like fire bag of wine. But I think we need to start changing the stigma around things that come in boxes. You know, wine, meat. I get butcher box. I get boxed wine. You know, uh, I get my toilet paper in boxes. I'm going to start getting everything in boxes because that is the way to go. I'm going to start getting my boxes in boxes. And when I order boxes, I'm going to I'm going to start signing up for a service uh called Boxy Box. So there's Butcher Box, there's Box Wine, and there's Boxy Box, and it sends me a box every month wrapped in a box just so I remember how fortunate I am to have boxes in this world to send me some of my favorite items. I'm just I'm just going to open the box I'm going to smell it once a day and be like, fuck yeah, dude. We need to bring boxes back. Boxes get a bad rap. Bottles are not all that great. Water bottles are destroying the planet. Bottles of wine, you know, nice for for a a fancy occasion. But bring back the boxes. There's no other point to this rant other, other than I was drinking boxed wine. And I'm just like thinking about why do we dehumanize boxes? We're basically the TikTokers of wine when you think about it in America. We are dehumanizing these boxes that still have a lot of value. We, we're doing what this TikToker did to poor old Marie. Marie has tons of value inside her, her you know, her more wrinkled but still beautiful bag suit. I'm sure she's still a beautiful person, you know? Um, and this TikTok dude, this fucking, you know, whatever his name is, at Harrison Pollock. I, I wonder if he actually changed his name to include the at symbol legally. <laughs> yeah, once you cross 10 million followers on TikTok, you can legally change your name to at. We're just dehumanizing wine in boxes because of these preconceived notions we have about things served to us in a box it's the better option you're not going to convince me otherwise i'm open-minded on a lot of things i'm open-minded on sexuality on social issues on fucking immigration 
but you're not, I am closed as a box on boxes. You will not get me to change my opinion because these last couple months, just having a nice box of wine in my apartment, bringing it, you know, just edging it over on the shelf, just, just enough where the nozzle scrapes over the side, pressing it down. The air seals it back up. I push the box back a little bit and it just gets, it, 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 it's so easy. It's so easy. So just do it. Stand with me. I eat box. I drink box. Let's do this together. So speaking of uh, sexuality, speaking of being open-minded, I recently finished the autobiography of Marilyn Manson. It's called Marilyn Manson, The Long Hard Road Out of Hell. It's with Neil Strauss, who wrote The Game, if you're familiar with Neil Strauss, the the Bible of pickup artistry. But Marilyn Manson, I assume, dictated this book, you know, spoke with Neil Strauss, and Neil Strauss helped him write it. But there's actually a guide that Marilyn Manson gives to homosexuality. These are his rules for homosexuality. And if you don't know who Marilyn Manson is, uh, he's a he's a rock star. He performs uh, acts of violence and self mutilation on stage. He's had his dick sucked on stage. Like he's just, uh, and, and this is it's it sounds weird to say because I've heard him speak on uh, Mark Maron's podcast. I believe I've uh, heard him on Howard Stern too. He sounds like such a mellow, intellectual guy. Uh, and it's because he, he probably is, you know, I've, I've never spoken to him, but I've heard him speak. He, he sounds very just chill, laid back, um, even timid at times. But his onstage persona is the complete opposite of that, where he comes on in, uh, you know, this wild, wild, just atmosphere, satanic atmosphere, like plays around with a lot of satanic imagery and he fucking cuts himself on stage. Fans will show up with marks. Um, you know, he has girls in cages. Like, all, you know, allegedly consensual. I know, I know he's going through some tough legal shit right now. I really don't really know shit about that. Um, so I'm just purely talking about what he says in the book. But, there, like, the point is there's a lot of... Um, He's a fucking rock star. He's like a satanic rock star, and he's weird and he's beautiful. And I dug this autobiography, but I wanted to get into his rules for homosexuality because I thought this was funny and interesting. And what better thing to talk about on a podcast than something that's funny and interesting? So Marilyn Manson writes, "My philosophy, my philosophy about sexuality, is that I don't have a problem with anything anyone does." in any way all i ask is that you know the rules i've sucked the dicks of several men which a lot of straight guys won't admit to having done or wanting to do but just like kissing a girl can't get her pregnant sucking a guy's dick doesn't make you gay unless you break rule number three which we'll get to it's not that i'm against being gay i just want to clarify what makes you gay please note that this list only pertains to guys all women by nature are lesbians. So let's get things straight. No pun intended. If you meet any of the qualifications below, you are gay. And there are 39 of these. So I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll go through some. So if you meet any of the qualifications below, you are gay. Number one, if you get someone else's sperm on you, seems to, seems to check out, you know. I've never gotten another man's sperm on me, and I'm straight. I have got my own sperm on me many times in and around my belly button, uh, but never anyone else. So it checks out, and I'm I'm straight, so I will compare these rules to what I also my own personal experience will. I'll I'll check in just to see if these these rules hold up. Number two, if you meet any of the qualifications below, you are gay. Number two, if you've ever owned a Smiths album, 
Never owned a Smiths album. That checks out too. I am a straight man and I've never owned a Smiths album. Number three, if you get hard while sucking another guy's dick, if you don't, you're straight unless he gets sperm on you. I can also say that too. You know, I've never gotten hard while I've sucked another guy's dick. Um, and I've never sucked another guy's dick, so I can't confirm that I wouldn't get hard, but I imagine I wouldn't because I'm straight. So checks out. Funny story, actually. Um, there are two times in my life where I thought I may, may be gay, which, you know, would be fine. You know, I, uh, I would just have a different sexuality. I imagine I'd be mostly the same except for crushing pussy. I'd cr- crush cack. Um, but yeah, I was watching the show Degrassi in high school. So it's around 15 years old, watching Degrassi. And there's a scene where two guys make out. And this is like the show back in high school. It was like, this was like the 20 to 30 minute sh- version of the OC. Like it wasn't as involved as the OC. I-, I only watched the OC for a few episodes, but Degrassi was like a more adolescent version, shorter 20, 30 minute episodes. And it had a lot of dynamics that had sexuality, had school shooting. Drake was in it. Aubrey Graham was- played Jimmy, a dude who ended up getting shot in the back and uh, rolls around in a wheelchair but this was like the high school show to me. I watched this show. I went to an all guys high school. So I would like, this was for me kind of like an insight into, oh, this is, you know, what co-ed high school is like. I went to co-ed school all the way up to ninth grade. Um, and so when I would watch this, I'd be like, oh shit, like this, you know, this has to be true. The, the grassy is like the real high school experience. And so... When I was watching two guys make out on Degrassi, I happened to have a boner at the time. Like, I I was already hard watching Degrassi. And as a 15-year-old, I was hard about 87% of the day. And the other 13% I was sleeping. Um, And probably still hard for much of that sleep because I would wake up with raging boners. Uh, but yeah, I, I was hard probably five minutes before the scene. And when two guys made out, I remember this dude, Spencer or something in Degrassi, I looked down on my dick and I was like, oh my God, I have an erection while there are two guys on the screen making out, even though it didn't induce the erection. I'm gay now. I'm gay. And for a solid week, week and a half, I thought very hard about the possibility of how do I tell my parents, tell my friends I'm gay. Like, I love, I've barely made out with a girl at this point. I would, I was so fucking horny watching porn, mind beating. Like, I wanted pussy so bad. Like, I was literally fiending for pussy. The most dangerous brain on the planet is an adolescent male because you literally go into this primal state of I need pussy oh my fucking god like you're you're just like so boiled up inside your head you're fucking frustrated you're 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 anxious at school you're worried about making friends like school work getting you know talking even talking to girls and you're like this whole time you're like just imagining what it would be like to just fucking put your penis near a clitoris because that's where i thought it went i thought if you fucked a girl you're like you you just fucking fuck her in the you know the the the, the clitoral area you got to hit it at the same time and i just i'm like is it on the top or the bottom and all this shit but because I had an erection while this scene was happening, uh, legitimately in my head, I was like, I'm, I'm gay. I, this, this is it. This is it. It doesn't matter that right after this episode ends, I'm going to jerk off to a pair of tits on Brazzers, probably multiple pairs of tits from the uh, password that uh, was being passed around my grade as, you know, if back in the day, now everything's so free in porn, just going to Pornhub, wherever. Um, but back in the day, Brazzers was fucking huge, like Bang Bros, Brazzers, these paid websites. And so one guy in my grade 
would sign up for free and then he'd charge people, you know, three bucks, five bucks for the password. And then it would just get passed around the grade while, uh, you know, w- w- and, and enough times until browsers, uh, the, the, the technicians or the fucking the web geeks at browsers figured out that passwords are being passed around and the, the account would get canceled. But I remember logging onto browsers and getting notifications that my, I'm being kicked out of the account because another guy from my grade uh, logged onto browsers at the same time. So we're both like battling to log back in. Like when someone logs on to too many people log onto a Netflix account and it says like you've been kicked out and then you have to call that person and log back in like this pa- these passwords were passed around like 50 100 times so it's just dudes racing home <laughs> from school just sprinting from the bus to the front door opening up their laptops logging into browsers and it's like a race who could fucking pound their dick uninterrupted before other people start to log in after school but even though i was about to do that right after the episode of degrassi ended i was like i'm gay for sure uh, this is this is it so that was that was the the first time I thought I was gay. Second time, we'll we'll save that for the for another podcast. Number four, if you meet any of the qualifications below, you are gay. If Michael Stipe is in the room with you and you're having sex with a woman, you're bisexual. I don't know who Michael Stipe is. Number five, if you're at a gay bar, you're not gay. But if you're at a straight bar and you talk to another guy longer than you talk to a girl, you're gay. I don't know if this is true. And obviously, a lot of these are jokes. But I will say seriously that there were a couple guys that I knew in college that people had suspected that they were possibly gay and they would spend a lot of time talking to guys at bars like they would talk about how much they wanted pussy they were just like all like oh i'm gonna fucking rail this bitch pussy i'm gonna destroy like going so hard with the pussy talk that you're like dude like we know you're straight like everyone else is saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I hope I get laid. You know, it's going to be a fun night. And they're like, I'm going to fucking drill bit this pussy motherfucker. I'm a drill sergeant of pussy, bitch. I'm going to pipe this bitch's pussy to the grave because I am going to kill it. We're like, whoa, dude. OK, we get it. You like pussy. Fuck. And then they get to the bar and they just like chilling around and then start talking to other dudes. So I do have my suspicions about that rule. Maybe accurate. Uh, number six, if you tap your feet to a Smith song, <laughs> I don't, I might have done that in the car when it's been on the radio. So maybe I'm like 4% gay. Uh, if you discuss art for more than 45 minutes, if you consider podcasting art, which I don't, then I'm a flaming homosexual. But in terms of talking about uh, paintings, I mean, I've had painters on the podcast. I've discussed their art in podcast form. So, yeah, maybe um, there have been podcasts where I'm gay, which is fine because your sexual fluidity is a thing nowadays. Maybe there are some podcasts where I truly become gay uh, during those moments. If you've ever worn a beret, never wore a beret. If you kiss a guy and he has a heart on, you're not gay unless you have a hard on too. Um, there was this one time with my dad. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I've never, never made out with a guy. Uh, never had a hard on when I'm making out with a guy because I haven't had the opportunity. But you know, who knows? Who knows? It's a long life. A lot of fluidity out there. If you have any kind of sex with a male or a female, to the Smiths, you're gay. I think Marilyn Manson was in an orgy and had his dick sucked by someone who did, he didn't know was a guy while the Smiths were playing. And then that just like scarred him where he thought he was getting blown by a female. And he pulls off this dude's wig and he's like, wait, you're a fucking guy. And he just looks up at the ceiling and kind of has this life changing moment of I'm getting my dick sucked by a guy and, and a song by the Smiths was playing. And that's just. That just permanently stayed with him forever. I don't know. But he talks a lot about the Smiths. 
He didn't write that in the biography. That is just pure speculation. I'll have him on the podcast and ask. Uh, Number 11, if your only purpose in life is to get girls pregnant so they can have more girls to have lesbian sex together, you're gay. If you jack off and get cum on yourself, you're gay. Then I'm gay. I'm gay. If you get a boner watching Gilligan's Island, uh, I watched a few episodes with my mom when I was younger, and I don't remember having a boner, although if I did, I probably suppressed it. Uh, If you don't get a boner watching Bewitched, never saw Bewitched. if there's a Smith song on in a bar and you're in the bathroom with your dick in your hand, um, I mean, Smith's play in the bar pretty often um, in some bars. So I'm sure I've had my cock in my hand taking a piss while Smith's song is playing. If your name is Richard and you go by Dick, you're gay. If you're friends with anyone named Dick, let's go to 20. We're at 19 right now. If you don't cheat on your wife, you're only using her as a prop to make people think you're not gay. All right. I'll bring that up with my girlfriend. Look, I, <laughs> babe, I have to cheat on you or else I'm a homosexual. So in order for us to be together, in order for me to remain a straight man, I have to have sex with strangers. I'm doing this for us, babe. Uh, if you're friends with a model, I'm friends with people who have modeled. Uh, if you fuck a girl who likes the Smiths, you're gay. I'll have to talk to my girlfriend. Um, I'll send out a group text with every girl I ever slept with like this. If you like the Smiths and then the first one I get back, I'll be like, fuck. (sighs) All right. I got to break up my girlfriend. So that is Marilyn Manson's rules for being homosexual. I thought that would be fun to go through. Let's end off with a quote. Let's end off with a nice quote. This is from the war of art. Some motivation for the week. This is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And this is a book that I regularly read each morning. I'll read an excerpt. Uh, It's very digestible content. I've mentioned it a few times before on the podcast. So I'll probably bring up more quotes in the future. But this is is something that's considered a Bible of creativity. A lot of writers, artists, musicians, people have this close by and I've heard people say that they read from this and so I can say that it it does help it does give me creative reminders during the day where I think back to something I read in the morning and I go oh yeah like this is just the anxiety this is this is just the resistance creeping in so Stephen Pressfield writes quote if you find yourself asking yourself and your friends am I really a writer am I really an artist chances are you are The counterfeit innovator is wildly self-confident. The real one is scared to death. Stephen Pressfield. I hope that's true. Because when it comes to podcasting and, you know, putting shit out there, I question myself all the time. I've become pretty good at releasing an episode and forgetting about it, but I never release an episode and I'm like, ah, that was the fucking best thing ever. Like that was the most amazing conversation. Even though like I'll, I'll get positive comments from people about episodes. I, I am grateful for that one, but I'm never thinking like I'm shitting gold into the podcast world. Because I've been I've been doing this for a few years. There's a lot of people who've been doing it longer for me. A lot of people I look up to. I'm I'm consuming so much amazing content all the time that it just seems so alien to me to love. Not I I don't mean uh, love what you do from a career standpoint. I love podcasting, but I wouldn't say that I love my podcast. I'm not in love with my podcast. I don't I don't like. Uh, I don't put my podcast on a pedestal because they're mine. They're just existing out there and whoever consumes it, consumes it. So I often question myself. I often think, uh, you know, like that, that could have been better. And I'm often right. And I try to write these things down and record them and apply it to the next podcast. But I do, uh, I am not wildly self-confident with podcasting. Uh, I think it's good to have a balance, you know, maybe 70% confident, 30% questioning, and that fluctuates. But that's that's a healthy balance for me. 
I think if you go too much towards the questioning yourself, if you're like 50-50 or you even drop below that where you're questioning yourself more than your confidence, then it's hard to fucking put shit out. And I see it happen to people. It happens to a lot of creators, uh, especially at the beginning where you come in with confidence and then you work on something for weeks and weeks and weeks. You put it out. It gets like 30 streams, 30 downloads, 30 watches, whatever. And you say, fuck this. Like, I'm the fucking worst. I fucking hate everything. And you put out one more episode and that's it. You just you give up. The questioning quickly overtakes the confidence. So I do think it's good to question yourself. It, it's it's necessary, in my opinion, as a creator, but you have to watch the self-talk. And so that's something I'm always trying to improve. And yeah, am I really a writer? Am I really a podcaster? Am I really an artist? Like all all these things that pop into my head. For me, it would be, am I really a podcaster? I'm pretty good about imposter syndrome. Like, I know I'm a podcaster. Regardless of what other people think of the podcast, my definition of podcasting is someone who puts out podcasts on a regular basis. And for me, that's minimum once a week. So I'm recording a solo episode once a week. I'm recording conversations once or twice a week. I'm writing out ideas for episodes every day. Um, doing something podcast related every day, but recording multiple times per week. You know, you don't have to record multiple episodes per week. Some people even do every two weeks. Um, for me, that's just not what I like. I, I like to stay fresh. I like to, you know, come up with things uh, solo, kind of work out ideas like I'm doing here, and then bring some of those things into the conversations. Um, but that is the definition for me of a podcast or someone who records podcasts. So as long as you're doing the thing, as long as you're writing or as long as you're painting, as long as you are uh, working out, as long as you're recording podcasts, song, like as long as you're doing the thing and you're releasing it, then uh, it's, you're, you're the thing, you're the podcaster, you're the, you're the artist, you're the, the painter. Now, a lot of people, um, will do thousands of repetitions of the thing in private, which is fine. It, it's fine to write a hundred poems, to write a thousand pages and not release them. Maybe you're just doing it as a hobby. Maybe you don't care. But often these types of people have a drive to be seen as an artist, but for whatever reason, the fear, the anxiety, the questioning stops them from putting it out there for judgment. It's almost like protecting yourself from rejection. And so that's why I say releasing the thing and doing the thing make you the thing. Because if you're like, what good is it to write thousands of pages you know, people write novels and don't release them and no one's ever read their shit. Maybe the best writer in the world we don't even know about because they were too scared to release their shit and they just wrote every day and stacked it in a fucking drawer and no one ever heard about it again. Maybe they did the same thing with painting, but getting it out there, putting it out there, taking the risk, not only doing the thing, but releasing it, getting feedback, all that shit I think is good. It's part of... um being an innovator, being a creator, and I'm still working that shit out. If you had to ask me, I would say I would say that uh, at Harrison Pollock, the TikToker, is wildly self-confident. I think he could do with a little bit more questioning, and I'm saying that out of a place of love because when I've put out my worst material. That is the point where I question myself the least. I'm always like, this is fucking sick. Oh, now, if I like something too much, it's almost a sign to me that it sucks because I'm like, this isn't that good. Like, maybe I should work this out a little bit more. Maybe I should write this out a little bit more. Uh, maybe I should think about this guest a little bit more, come up with some good topics some some better questions. So questioning. A good amount is key, too much is bad, none is even worse. And a question that you may be asking yourself right now is, how can I get bonus episodes of the podcast? And my answer to you 
is augzoro.supercast.com. I put out bonus episodes every month, uh, an extra long form episodes like this, around 45 minutes to an hour. And then I sprinkle mini episodes throughout the uh, throughout the month as well. So there's about two hours of content, I would say, that goes up every month. It's $4 per month if you sign up for the year, five bucks if you want to pay on a monthly basis. So that is for you. If it is calling you, um, if you if that is not the option for you, then you can always rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That really helps the show become more visible because when people search topics like Marilyn Manson sucking cock or Melbourne woman or TikTok or boxed wine, these podcasts that I record shoot up higher and people see them. And I love that because it's, it's more money for me and that's all you are to me. You're, my audience is a dollar sign and I just want to get more and more money so I could eventually get the fuck out of this game. Um, I'm joking, uh, of course. Um, I love this because I feel connected when I do this shit. Even the episodes that I feel alone or even the episodes that I am alone, like these solo episodes, there's a, there's a connection that's happening uh, and it's either real or I'm slowly going insane. Um, but either one of those is fine with me because it feels real. So thank you for listening to this episode. I love you guys. Um, Auxoro Premium, if you want, link in the description. Rate the podcast, follow on Instagram, YouTube, yada, yada. I'll see you next week, motherfuckers.